The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. Grab your coffee or your tea and put your feet up on your desk, and we're good. today we're going to talk about adoption finding your birth family. Uh, before we get into our topic for today, however, I want to tell you about last week's uh, program with Dave Townsend, Cybercrime Chasing Digital Footprints. He has provided a PowerPoint presentation on, uh, that he does for g- groups on cybercrime and chasing digital footprints on the PIC Classified website. So if you're interested in that, please go to Dave Townsend's bio on the PowerPoint, uh, and the PowerPoint is posted right below that. So today, are you adopted? Would you like to find your birth family? Have you or someone in your family put someone up, a child for adoption? Do you need your family medical history? Well, Jean Strauss, a New York Times best-selling author, legislative advocate, and documentary, documentary filmmaker, is here to talk to us about being an adoptee, and finding her birth family. She's going to tell us her miraculous story. It's just a wonderful story. And she's very excited about her first feature film called Adopted for the Life of Me, being aired on PBS. Uh, that enables her to talk about her two passions, adoption, reform, and filmmaking. Uh, this path started when her, with her reunion with her birth mother was featured in People magazine way back in 1988. And that led to the publication of her first book. She started then making documentary films at the age of 60. Isn't that wonderful? Her short films won numerous awards and accolades and the American Cinematique list of top women directors in Women in Shorts. Her work was inspired from her search with her birth family, which happened back in the 1980s. Since then, she's been very, a very prolific film maker and author. She's written The Great Adoptee Search Book, Birthright, The Guide to Search and Reunion by, by Penguin Books, Beneath the Tra- Tall Tree, her memoir, uh, and Forever Liesel, which is a New York Times bestseller called uh, Forever Liesel, a memoir, a memoir of the Sound of Music. Welcome to the show, Jean. It's just wonderful to have you here. Thanks for having me. Jean, I know your, our listeners can hardly wait to hear the story of how you found your birth mother and what happened after that, so please tell us. Okay, well, um, I, uh, I guess my search started when I was eight years old, and uh, my third grade teacher asked our class to do a family tree, 
And that was the moment that I realized that being adopted made me a little bit different and that I did not know where I came from. And uh, I became uh, overwhelmed by a desire to kind of find out where I'd come from, who were the people uh, that I was related to. And most adoptees can, can kind of relate to this. You'll have people coming up to you all the time saying, you look just like so-and-so. And wow. For an adopted person, it's like, what's their address? <laughs> you know, you want to uh, check and see if maybe they uh, they are a birth parent. Um, sure. When I was 16 years old, I asked my adoptive mother if she knew anything about the people I came from, and she uh, was a, a wonderful parent. Uh, and she gave me the file that she had, with had, which had little tiny pieces of information that at the age of 16 I didn't know what to do with them, but they would become very important for me in my search down the road. Jane, let me ask you: Did your did your birth parent or did your uh, adopted parents always tell you you were adopted? Yeah, I actually don't have any recollection of sort of not knowing, and I thought it was, hmm. um, as many adoptees do, something to kind of brag about. Um, uh, you know, they, they they read the the old chosen baby book, and um, which some people roll their eyes at now. Uh, but I think for me, I, I never knew it any other way, and so I I think it's actually very important. Uh, for adoptive parents to just be right up front from the get-go um, so that down the road there isn't any confusion about it. It's always been part of my narrative um, from the moment I, I had language. I, sure. I understood how I became a part of my family. Anyway, my mother gave me this file, and I didn't do anything with it. I actually gave it back to her. And then about 12 years later, I I took it out of the safe without even telling her because I had decided I needed to know. Um, and what's, what actually got me searching was a, uh, um, I heard a professor when I was at USC talk about the fact that he was a birth father, and he very much wanted mm-hmm. to know what had happened to the child that he'd fathered when he was 17. And this was back in the 80s. It was really before the Donahue, Oprah <laughs> sure. know, sort of reunion story of the week um, uh, TV uh, blitz, and it was the first birth father I'd ever heard talk. And I decided that maybe my birth mother wouldn't mind being found, and so I began to search. And my search took about four and a half years. Um, I took these smattering of clues that I had, and a lot of people want to know, well, how do you do it? And uh, people write books about how to do it because it's it, it can be very difficult. What and were the clues, Jane? The clues I had were I actually had my birth mother's birth date. Uh, it was written on a piece of paper that had been given to my parents by the adoption agency. Hmm. Um, and so I knew what my birth mother's birth date was. My parents had also kept the final decree of adoption, which is perhaps the most important thing an adopted person who's interested in finding out their background should try to ascertain. Most states um, have a final decree of adoption, which is the document that, that transfers a child from one family into mm-hmm. another, and that decree had my original name on it. So that's when I learned that my name had been Cecilia Ann Porter. Do you know if they always have the original name? Uh, depends. You know, every we have 50 states that each have different adoption laws, um, and I think that that's what makes it very frustrating about trying to update laws, is that it is like a state by state issue, uh, like gay marriage. Uh, mm-hmm. Each state needs to decide how they're going to handle adoption policy. So you actually have to you have to go up and read. Um, your the adoption laws in your state to find out if a final decree is um, is a part of the process. But if it is, uh, as I say, that that document can have clues. It can even also have the uh, birth parent's name on it. 
particularly the uh, the birth mother's name on it. Mm-hmm. But as I say, it depends on state by state. My birth mother's name was not on it. I did not know what her name was. I did not know if the last name I'd been given, Porter, was her last name or my birth father's. Mm-hmm. I had some um, some clues about height, weight, eye color, that kind of thing. I had some clues that were wrong. I was given information that my birth father was Norwegian of Norwegian extraction, and that was not correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's one of the first things I would I would tell anybody is um, never assume you know that the information that you have is accurate. Sure. Um, and asking questions about information that you already know, think you know, is helpful because redundancy of information helps establish facts. When you find out that two pieces of information don't jibe, then you know that you may be dealing with a falsehood on one side or the other or both. Um, and, uh, and, and that's where, to me, searching was like a game. You lay out all these clues. I was looking for a woman who was five foot four with light brown hair and blue eyes mm-hmm. um, who might have the last name of Porter. And you spread out a map of planet Earth, and it's like, okay, let's try and find her. Amazing. Um, and nowadays with the Internet, that has become much easier, uh, which is both good and bad. It means that people don't have as much time to be prepared for reunion. And, and, and that first point of contact is very different than a search. If the search is like the, a game, the reunion is the start of something very, very different and very complicated and um uh, and very personal to every person that's going through it. Mm-hmm. No reunion is exactly like another reunion. There can be some universal things that occur, but um, but each person's story is different. And I find these stories fascinating, and each person's experience is fascinating. Sure. So what ended up happening was I, I, I began putting different clues together. I knew my birth mother had been a secretary, and um, I knew she'd been born in Portland, Oregon, um, and I found out, and I knew I thought her last name was Porter, and it was through a city directory. I got the name Lenore C. Porter, who had been a stenographer at a medical school, mm-hmm. and and my birth father was supposedly a medical student, and so I put, you know, you just put the two clues together, and it's like, is this her? It's the only Porter I could find, and the and the middle initial she had was C, and I wondered, is that Cecilia? Um, but I, I tried as many things as I could to find that person. And back in the 80s, this was, you know, we didn't have the Internet. I didn't have as many uh, tools available. And I ended up hiring a marvelous um, private investigator named Sheila Klopper, hmm. who was able to finally get the final piece of information I needed, which is where this person was and who she'd married. Um, and uh, I'll never forget, it was July 20th, 1988. I got a phone call. Jean, you better sit down. I found your birth mother. And uh, and I knew I was about ready to finally get that family tree that I wanted. What did you feel like when she called you? Well, she didn't, when Sheila called me, uh-huh. I think the thing, the first thought that flashed through my mind was, what do I do now? I had spent five years almost looking, and I had no idea what to do when I found. Right. Um, and I think that this is something that people who are interested in finding birth family yeah, you can do it in an hour sometimes now. And you need to prepare yourself. You need to to actually try and put yourself in the shoes of the person you're about to contact. What's the best way to do that? I think that's a very personal thing, and it's something that uh, I know um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think the thing that always shocks people is I talked to Sheila a bit about what to do. And what I ended up doing was I contacted, I knew my birth mother was Catholic, and I contacted a priest in the parish where she lived and asked if he knew her and asked if he would contact her and see if she would be welcome to contact. And that way I knew she had someone with her mm-hmm. when the information was being broken to her. I knew she would have someone who could counsel her. Um, and he called me back like within two minutes and said, call her, she's been looking for you for years. Now, did he actually go to her house, or did he call? He just called her. He just called her. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that, you know, what happens then is uh, is such an overwhelming array of emotions that um, I actually felt numb. I, I remember being sort of almost an out-of-body experience of observing myself and thinking, I don't feel anything at all at this moment. I'm about ready to talk to um at that point in time, I would have called her the woman who gave birth to me um, because the way our society sets up adoption, we don't think of that person. And um, by this time, you're mother. in your middle 30s. Is that about right? I was 33 years old Okay. when I found my birth mother. I was, um, at that point, an orphan. Both my parents had died. Um, I, was, I had given birth to my first child, and they had just found out I was pregnant with my second child. Um, and so I was at a point in my life where meeting my birth family meant a great deal to me on a lot of levels. Sure. It, you know, it, it, it's extremely important when you're a young mother to know, what have I medically inherited? And is my birth mother going to be willing to share that with me? I met, you know, a mother who was willing to tell me everything um, in 45 minutes or less. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Let's take a break, Jean. Okay. This is fascinating. You're listening to author and filmmaker Jean Strauss about finding her own birth mother. More after a brief uh, brief break. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. 
Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Are you an adoptee or have you given up a child for adoption? My guest today is Jean Strauss, a woman who found her birth mother and wants to help others find theirs. But before we start talking about our subject today, I would like to introduce Tamara Thompson, a private investigator for over 20 years. She's an expert in genealogy research and locating people, including birth families. She specializes in genealogical investigations, fact-gathering through Internet sources, identifying and finding birth mothers and siblings for adoptees, uh, she's published several articles in the Law Technology News. She was recently profiled in an article called Privacy Predicaments, Catch Gumshoe's Eye. She's also author of a popular blog called BIPIBuzz.com, where she gives pointers to investigators, journalists, and the general public on research and information. She can also be found under the tab on uh, PISDeclassified.com under PI Resources. Uh, with her PI Buzz blog. She holds a BA in intellectual history. She's a member of the National Council of Investigative and Security Services, a 35-year-old advocacy association representing PIs and security professionals in Washington, D.C., and the Association of Independent Information Professionals. And she's a member and trade journal editor of the California Association of Licensed Investigators, the largest association of its kind in the world. Um, so I wanted to introduce Tamara so she could take part in the discussion with Jean and I. And, uh, Jean, you were just, uh, again, telling your story of finding your own birth mother, and I think uh, you have another person you found through that that will surprise people. Well, you know, when I was eight years old, I wanted to find my family tree uh, that the other kids in my class had. And one of the first things my birth mother told me was that she was also an adoptee. And so there went my family three. I went back just one generation. Wow. And over the course of the next six years, um, my birth mother began to search for her birth mother. And they finally met uh, when my birth mother was 60 and her mother was 80. And the friendship that developed between the three of us um, 
was actually the subject of the first film I made called The Triumvirate. And it was just a, a remarkable, remarkable coming together. And then that actually laid, led to us putting together our whole family tree, which goes back to the 4th century, which meant a lot to all three of us. And um, in addition to my birth mother, I also found seven brothers and sisters. Um, so I found a, a lot of people, new people in my life to love. And if there's adoptive parents out there that are listening to this, now let me underscore that my birth family doesn't detract from my family that I was raised with mm-hmm. uh, in, in any way. And, in fact, and sometimes that's a concern, isn't it? Well, I, I think it's a very understandable concern. Mm-hmm. And yet I would have to say that getting rid of the secrets in my, you know, I, I love being adopted, but I don't like the secrets of adoption. Getting rid of the secrets really enhanced a lot of things about my life, including um, how much I felt connected to the family I was raised with. So every person's going to have a different reaction to these things, but I, I, I just think um, secrets aren't healthy for people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my writing and work since then has been trying to dispel that. Um, and I wanted to tell, share one real quick story. So I used a private investigator to um, finish my search. And she was terrific. And the person she first contacted um, was a distant cousin of my birth mother's ex-husband. And you're talking about Sheila Clopper. I'm talking about Sheila Clopper. Um, And um, Sheila had never met me in person. And so when she called me to say, you better sit down, I think I found your birth mother. She said, you know, this cousin said, well, this makes sense that 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 Lee had a baby out of wedlock. There was a rumor in the family that that had happened and that the father was black. And Sheila had never met me. So she's on the phone telling me, I think you're half black. And it was was to me like, wow, opened the door to a totally different conception of myself, Hmm. except that I have blonde hair and blue eyes. And my husband came in the room and he goes, I I can tell you're excited by this, but I I, I don't think so. Um, and, And it turned out that 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 was false. That was and, incorrect information. And yet I thought about, what about this secret, this rumor, this buzz within the family? And, uh, you know, just how disempowering that was for my birth mother, I'm sure, all those years, to have this, you know, sort of secret whispers behind her. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I enjoy having everything out in the open. And, uh, uh, you know, I could never probably have found my birth mother back then without having you having had Sheila Clopper help me with the final step. That's a terrific story. And so uh, what people that are listening that want to locate their own birth mother or birth father, what kinds of questions should they get answers to? You mean in terms of what what should they be uh, looking for? Yeah, like, you know, if they um, say should they try to find... um, why they were given up for adoption. Oh, sure. I mean, I think the first thing you want to do is, if you have a, a comfortable relationship with your parents, is sit down and ask them everything they know. The very first thing I would counsel anybody is to try and stand in the, people, in the shoes of the people that you're trying to find. Um, and then the most important thing to have in your toolbox of searching is you've got to ask questions, and you've got to ask the right questions. Um, and you never assume that the people you're seeking don't want to be found. Your birth, you know, your birth parents didn't seal your records. Society did. There are some birth parents that do not want to be found, sure. um, but they are a, a minority. And you know, I think that once you have contact, if people 
articulate, I really can't have you in my life, I don't want to be contacted again, then at that point in, in time, as two adults, you set the parameters. Um, but so, what, what do you, you know, how do you find the people in the first place? Um, I would go to the agency or the lawyer that handled the adoption. And after talking to your parents about how much do they know, I would go in and ask every question you can think of. You know, are there photographs of the birth parents on file? Is so there a written somebody calls you, Jane, and What's says, I want to find my birth mother, what do I do? Yeah. Is this the first thing you tell them? Um, yeah. I mean, I think you need to have information to begin to try and map what you're trying to do. You could also, you know, I could say, contact a private investigator, contact a search angel. And, but what those people will do also is ask questions. You know, to know what you're looking for, you need to have some good questions um, in your mind that will help you move forward. And let me ask Tamara, Jean. Tamara, what, oh, if somebody calls you and wants to find a birth mother or father or a birth family, what, would, what do you ask them? Well, just uh, jumping into what, what Jean was saying about knowing the questions to ask, I mean, sometimes I'll get contacted by somebody, and they've obviously gone through a long process to get to where they are, that they're even calling me and asking me to do something for them. But uh, so lots of times they don't know what the questions are to ask or exactly even what they're seeking. So to a certain extent, I establish a rapport with the uh, adoptee or the, 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 uh, the birth parent who's contacting me to find out a little bit more about them and how they've gotten to where they are and what they hope to get out of the experience and what are the different directions that can go and, you know, what's their ultimate objective and how might they be received and, you know, what are they worried about and what are they hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, to me, that's also part of the, the process of preparing them for all the, the possible outcomes and also will affect how I go about doing the search and what I agreed to do for them um, and, you know, our communication with each other and, you know, how we further the process. Mm-hmm. So when, you, so when you, somebody contacts me, I find out from them, well, what's your relationship like with your, the family you were raised in? What kind of information did you get from your parents? Uh, do you have any files? Do you, are you able to talk to them about it? Are they still alive? You know, all these sort of questions that vo- get at both the documentary material that might help us in the search to identify and find, um, uh, the, you know, the family uh, of origin, but also will help clarify what this person has done so far to resolve this you know, the, this big hole in their lives. And do you often find, Tamara, that people don't have a lot of information about their birth parents? You know, it can be d- different things. There's, 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 I would say there's p- components of the search that, that define, you know, people have and they don't have that define what we're doing. One is... Uh, where were they born, where, where were they, say, in the case of an adoptee, where were they relinquished, uh, you know, which state, what county, uh, what did the adoption take place in, um, do they have any file from their, their parents 
do they know the name of their their uh, birth mother or birth father or the circumstances of that person's life? Uh, you know, sometimes it's you know that's known it's been transmitted from the uh the parents you know this is who your you know birth mother was this was the circumstances her the man who got her pregnant wasn't her husband and he worked for such and such a company lots of times the the parents have all that information but sometimes um the parents are deceased and haven't told the adoptee about that sometimes they're not cooperative um, and sometimes they just don't have the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you have a situation sometimes where you have a name, and it's what you would call, a, you know, a historical locate. In other words, most of the people who are contacting us for this, you know, were born 30, 40, 50 years ago. Sure. So you're starting out, even if you have a name, you're starting out with, say, a birth mother's name in 1950. Well, we can all imagine how difficult that would be to bring it up to 2010. It's like when married, they divorce, they change their names, they move, they, you know, there's all kinds of permutations that make it, you know, more more complex to uh, identify somebody um, and then locate them. Okay. Uh, I've been speaking with private investigator Tamara Thompson and author and filmmaker Gene Strauss on the subject of adoption. Stay tuned. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call 1-800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positive. 
positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Adoption for the Life of Me is a provocative film that's being aired across the country on PBS. Jean, I heard you worked on this film for four years, and it just uh, it's really neat the way you have featured, um, in fact, I, I just mentioned to you in, on the break that I watched it last night, and it, uh, it gives you a great platform for featuring real stories from real people as well as your uh, advocacy in legislation opening up birth records. Could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, I think that um, over the course of time in the last 30 years or so, states have been examining the fact that they sealed records from adoptees and their adopted parents and birth parents for all time. Uh, And oddly enough, there's one state in the continental United States that never sealed records, and that was Kansas. And if you're lucky enough to have been adopted there, when you're 18, you can not only get your birth certificate, but you can also get all the records that were kept upon you up until the point you were adopted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nothing bad's ever happened there. And people began looking at that, saying, well, why, why don't other states do this? Because the secrecy creates a lot of problems for people. And particularly nowadays with the need for better medical background, um, it is more and more important for adoptees to be able to locate the families of their birth to to try and get at least some cursory information about their medical background. What state so, is the most difficult to get records from? Well, uh, you know, there's several. One of them is my home state, California. California. Uh, which, you know, I think it, it's kind of funny if you think of states and their their personalities. We would think of California being liberal and Kansas being conservative. And here Kansas has a fairly liberal policy. In California, will most likely never open records because of uh, uh, some statutes that they have that will be very difficult to overturn. But there have been states, Oregon being the first, which was fantastic over 10 years ago. Oregon reversed its sealed records laws and really led the way for states like New Hampshire and Maine to follow. Uh, and uh, as I say, there are now 10 states where adoptees can get access to their records. I would direct anybody who's interested in actually having some links to other information to go to the website for my film, which is just adoptedforthelifeofme.com. Okay. Adoptedforthelifeofme.com. And on it, there are uh, tools where you can find search and support groups in your state, in your area. Uh, You can find out what the law is in your own state, and you can find links to really important organizations like the American Adoption Congress or or Concerned United Birth Parents um, or uh, 
even to uh, you know private investigators and stuff. The, the, there will be links to sites that you can you can go to and and try and find some help if you are interested in locating birth family members. Um, and uh, the film itself was uh, an outgrowth of my desire to try and help people understand what it feels like to be in an adoptee's shoes, particularly the fact that most people don't think about the fact that uh, adoptees who are 60, 70, 80, 90 years old don't get access to their records. Mm -hmm. And the film started when an 86-year-old woman called me on the phone one day and asked me if I would help her. And she said, I just want to know who I am before I die. Um, And were you able to find her? No. She's from Iowa, which is a a closed state. Um, And, you know, many states, there's just enormous resistance to this because the records have been sealed for our lifetime. So everybody assumes that that's the way it's always been. It must be that way for a good reason. We're not going to change it. Or they mistakenly think that birth parents were promised confidentiality, which is pretty much not true in almost any state except perhaps California. Um, Birth parents were not promised confidentiality. They signed documents that said they would never try to find or harm the adoptive family, try to find their child or interfere with the adoptive family. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, there are birth parents out there, though, who, you know, do wish to maintain their privacy. And one of the things that's intriguing about some of the states that have provided access to the records is the birth parent can either have their name redacted or or they can, the record will still be released and the birth parent can indicate whether they want contact or no contact. Okay. And it's important to note, and I'll take a breath here in a second, it's important to note that there hasn't been a single incident that that's public, at least, that that uh, where an adoptee has breached that that request of no contact. Mm-hmm. And and Tamara, what kinds of situations have you run into in different? Well, I was going to say, just uh, picking up on Jean's point, that there's um, you know a certain kind of sensitivity all the way around. I think that that birth families and adoptees have and express to each other um, that this idea that somebody is you know. Uh, going in and barging down uh, a door to get access to, you know, some, you know, a child that they they relinquished or, or you know, the, the inverse. Um, it's just, you know, that's fallacious. Nothing like that happens, and it's a can be very a careful, uh, you know, treading and and um, you know. It, Considered process and and really it is not something that violates anyone's privacy and I think from the point of view for me as you know an investigator uh, a genealogical researcher somebody who's has an interest and a specialty in this field but also I've done other work as an investigator that's very interview intensive with people who have witnessed and experienced trauma through multiple generations, um, it, you know, I'm aware that there's there's a need to express the sensitivity both with the, the whoever's come to you to, to hire you and also who you're trying to find. And uh, it, just along those lines, I think it's really important for somebody who wants to initiate this process um, to find someone who they have a good rapport with. And they can trust, and also somebody who's a specialist, who has experience, who has access to the resources that are necessary for the search that they're trying to do in the in the place where the search needs to be done. And that specialist 
can come in a lot of different flavors in in the uh, in the adoption search field. And there are people who are licensed investigators. There are also people who specialize that don't have any. You know, they may have a business license, but they don't have any particular credential. But they specialize in in you know adoption search and reunion. And those people are also uh, very sensitive and skilled. We well, the three of us had quite an interesting discussion um, prior to the show about who should make the contact and uh, how that should be done. I, you know, Jean, you had some fairly strong feelings about that the adoptee themselves should make the contact. Do you want to talk about that? Well, I mean, I, I think my strong feeling was that I should make my contact. Okay. <laughs> when, I, when I sat down and thought about it last night, I actually talked to a friend who uh, had made her first contact with the birth family through a private investigator, and and Sheila was terrific, my private investigator, in terms of giving me the information, and I decided I wanted to be the one to make that first contact, uh-huh. and that I didn't want to wait by doing it with a letter that I did want to reach out over the telephone um, that I couldn't sit on this and um, but I think that what's important is that the adopted person um, feel at some point in time that they finally have some sense of control so that if they want are the ones that want to make the contact so it should be their choice that's fine right and I also do think though um, that frequently having an intermediary make the contact can um, ease that first moment of, of transition. Um, but I don't think it's an absolute either way. Yeah, yeah I think that's true with, uh, I, you know, that's my approach in, um, certainly in this area. Um, but in part it's just, you know, you have to, you listen to your client um, and, and what is it they want, what is it they're seeking, and how comfortable are they when you fa- come to them and you say, okay, now I think I've identified, you know, your, your, let's say with an adoptee, I've identified your birth name, I've identified who your, your birth mother is, and, and now let's talk about where we're at and finding her and then how we're going to approach her. And in the course of that, I'd like to find out more about the circumstances around, um, you know, and the personal characteristics of each party's life, because I think, as Jean alluded to earlier, um, the circumstances under which the birth parent has relinquished the the child that they gave birth to, and uh, then oftentimes soon after that child was born, she never, you know, the birth mother never saw that child again. It's just, you know, part of them that's been ripped away from them. Um, that, that, you know, emotional sensitivity is, is really important. And the circumstances under which somebody might have gotten pregnant, I mean, you think about somebody who was maybe born in the mid-40s, could have been, you know, a woman who worked as a secretary in a, uh, in a munitions, you know, factory and soldiers were coming through and she got pregnant by a soldier and he went off somewhere and she went home and married and, you know, had a baby. Um, you know, there's all these kind of complicated circumstances and um, I think the approach that's taken to contacting, say, you know, a birth mother is really important. I usually make the first contact and... I've just found that in most of the cases that my clients felt like that was the way they wanted to go, and we talked through, well, what would I say? How would I approach that person? 
what did they want me to communicate and and you know be very thorough about that I think one thing that I'd like to interject here is that sometimes people try to control, I'm not talking about a PI here, but if you contact a member of the family, um, sometimes what they'll say is, well, you can't, don't contact anybody else in the family. (laughs) You can find other people try to just control the process. And the family family secrets perpetuated. That's a very familiar, I know, you know, Francie and I are both very familiar with that experience because... Uh, in doing work uh, representing uh, uh, people who have been charged with uh, death penalty qualified crimes, you'll to get when we're building the family tree and getting into the the social history of of that defendant. I- inevitably, ten out of ten times, you'll talk to one person in the family. You'll get them to trust you and open up and reveal some secrets, and they'll say. But don't talk to my grandmother because she'll just have a heart attack if you even approach the subject. Yeah. We must take one last commercial break, guys. Don't go away. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday. Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Talk, talk, talk. 
That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Continuing our discussion on finding birth families with Jean Strauss and her incredible story about finding her birth mother and her birth grandmother, and Tamara Thompson, private investigator. Jean's passion is changing the laws surrounding the secrecy of adoption. Jean, you were telling us about a new law in New Jersey, is it? Well, it's not a new law yet. Um, I, I just wanted to comment that, that states across the country are examining this issue of allowing adoptees access to their original birth record, and, um, you know, it's 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 a... Uh, it's an issue that's been decided in some states. We now have a lot of data that suggests this is a very positive thing to do on all fronts. And, um, and New Jersey is on the cusp of possibly passing legislation after a 30-year battle. Uh, and it is uh, something that's just extremely important to kind of stay in touch with. If people are interested in learning more about it, they can go to, uh, to the film's website. And if they're interested in seeing the film, Adopted for the Life of Me, which... Uh, follows two men who are 52 and 67 as they unearth their roots. Um, the schedule on PBS is located on uh, the website, on adoptedforthelifeofme.com. Great. And it's being shown at various locations across the country um, on an interim basis? How, how is that working? It's, it's over the next several weeks. Uh, there will be a lot of cities that have it on December 8th. Uh, but the, as I say, the schedule is, is, uh, is on the website, and it continues to have new cities added every day. Great. I know it was just uh, aired in the San Francisco Bay Area last week, and it was uh, it's a powerful film. And you will you not only will um, be challenged when you watch it, uh, it's it's rewarding and positive. It uh, leaves you with a very good feeling about what Jean has done in, with this film and what these people have done with their lives. Yeah, I think that that positivity is so so important because there's so much. Uh, Gene, you were talking about secrets, and there's also so much fear um, on the part of the uh, you know the person who's doing the search about <clears throat> what the outcome will be, how they'll be received, whether they're intruding on someone else's life, how it's going to upset their life, and there have been a number of films out there that. Uh, Perhaps the films weren't so well done, but you know, show show the story uh, maybe a bit differently than it commonly turns out. Which, well, yeah, the reality is is not. It doesn't create the drama that people want to have. Right. Um, that it's disastrous, and and yet I would I would counsel anybody to realize that when you empower a birth parent by allowing them to say I want contact or no contact. It's the first time in their life that they've had an opportunity to be able to communicate privately with their son or daughter. Mm -hmm. And it's far better for an adoptee to hear from a birth parent 
that, you know, I want no contact rather than to have the state decide that for everybody who's involved with it. And so Illinois just passed a, a law allowing uh, adoptees access to their records, and I, I hope New Jersey can find it in their heart to uh, to do this because it begins to dispel the secrets. And, and Yeah, you get the social stamp saying there's no reason for this to be secret. There's no reason for us to be ashamed of this, which, of course, is what the whole backdrop was when, you know, uh, the birth mother became pregnant and whatever the circumstances were, that there was something complicated that required her or led her to relinquish that child. Um, and there's just so much, you know, shame that, that the birth parents are burdened with. And this changing the laws and saying everyone should be able to know who everyone is that they want to really goes a long distance to not only in enabling the search process but also in... in it, telling all those those people who've been affected by the adoption process that you know you don't have to be ashamed of this. This is something that uh, we don't see that way anymore. Now, Tamara, in addition to the the film's website of AdoptedForTheLifeOfMe.com, is there a good website that people can go to to find a good private investigator? You know, there's not a site say uh, you know here are investigators that specialize in adoption or anything like that, but. For example, on the um, uh, I know on the uh, California Association of Licensed Investigators, that's uh, Cali C A L I dash P I dot O R G. Uh, all the investigators list their various specialties, hmm. and some are very specific. You know, I investigate you know airline accidents, or uh, you know, and there are some who specialize in adoption. And you can, and so you can, uh, you know, that's one place, uh, one place to go. And, and there are other associations, but I don't know. Camera <clears throat> on the Cali uh, California Association of Licensed Investigators website. There's a search window that you can put in the specialty you're looking for. Correct? Yes, you could put in any word. You could put, <clears throat> excuse me, the word adoption. Say. And those who have listed that as you know part of you know, the investigators who have listed that and then their profile that'll come up. Um, the other thing is, like most things we need, you know, the best thing is you need an attorney to help you in some litigation matter. You don't usually go to the phone book and close your eyes and point. Um, you ask around to your friends, uh, people you trust, and say, this is something I want to do. Have you ever done this? Or lots, lots of times people get referred to me because they say, Oh, you know, I went into such and such store where I go every morning and talked to Sally, and she said, "Oh, she was so excited because you found her, you know, birth mother, and she didn't know that I was adopted." And you know, that's how it often happens. And I think that's the best way is from somebody else who's had a good experience with an investigator. Yeah, yeah. There, there are search angels and support groups um, that are uh, available online, also on, on the film website that. There are people okay. that you know have been adopted or are birth parents who then help others to find. So there's there's private investigators who are very professional. There's search angels who are um, you know have some special tech, you know specialties in, in what they're able to do. But just for people who are adopted or birth parents out there, you're not alone. I think is important. There's another website too, um, the National Council of Investigation and Security Services. Uh, even though that's an advocacy organization, there is about uh, 
1,250 members world are uh, nationwide that some of them specialize also in adoptions, and that's at uh, NCISS.org. So either one of those would be good uh, sources to find a good quality investigator with that specialty. Sounds good. Sounds good. People need to know where to, to find help. Yeah. When they're May, uh, I don't know if we want to, Jean, uh, if you had a certain area you want to go into, but I just wanted to reiterate something that we've touched on, which is that, um, as you said, whoever, with all the players in this 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 uh, drama, are not alone. You know that there's the other p- person and that's part of your family. It's more likely than not that they're feeling similarly, that they wish they could have contact or they wish they could resolve this this uh, this you know bridge this gap in some way. And so, you know, don't feel alone in that you're the only person who's going through this, but don't feel alone in feeling that, you know, you probably won't be received. You know, that that original, you know, what we could call rejection, if you want to call it, is is not maybe what the uh, what the birth mother felt at all. Right. I think, you know, the, the secrecy that's been overladen in this is so inhumane to, to all the people that are involved in terms of... Uh, you know, once you have something you keep a secret about, it either means that you're bad or they're bad mm-hmm. because you have to be kept apart for forever. And and it uh, doesn't just affect that those two people, the birth mother and the birth child. It affects everybody in the family, both the prior family, if there were, was one, and the, the family that exists now. Well, and it, it, it doesn't just affect one generation. My adoption affects my children and will affect their children in terms of how much information I'm able to, to impart to them and about their own sense of where did they come from, you know, who is, who is the tribe that they came from. And it's, it's both the family that raised me and the family that I came from. And uh, that's and a good place to end, Jean. Thank you so much, both of you, Jean Strauss. Adoption for the Life of Me, and Tamara Thompson, Private Investigator. Next week is an encore presentation entitled Vanished, When Someone Goes Missing, featuring Kyla Porter, a missing 19-year-old girl from Florida. Tune in to hear both Private Investigator Tom Shamshack and Heather Bish of the Molly Bish Foundation talk to Kyla's mother, Teresa Ahern. If you're interested in being a sponsor for this show, contact my producer, Johnny Cabrera. His contact information can be found at picdeclassified.com. And many thanks to those who make this show possible. PI Magazine, IRB Search, Merlin Information Services, the Brownier Group Insurance, PI Museum, Resource Business Partners, and Tamara Thompson Investigations. Tune in as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. Every Thursday morning, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, it's PI's Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.